Welcome back. This is the Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. In today's session, we have editor in chief Yasuo Naito san, senior editor Susan Komori, journalist and writer Ariel Busetto, sports writer Ed Odeven, and I'm your host, Galileo. In today's session, we have Ed Odeven joining us, and he answers all our questions about the status of sports in Japan and in the world. Has competition changed drastically because of the coronavirus situation? Ed, thank you for covering a lot of sports related news on Japan Forward. You have the, the odds and evens column that you write regularly. You have the Japan Sports Notebook that you publish every Sunday.、Uh, it's, it's great working with you and great to understand、um, more, more depth about Japanese sports and the athletes who, who make these sports entertaining. So, for today's session, we're going to be talking about sports, particularly, we're talking about sports in, the, in our COVID 19 coronavirus. Era. So, we've put some questions together for you, and we'd love for your responses and interpretation to these questions. And, Ariel, let's, let's kick off. So, I would like to start with the fact that,、um, you know, we, heard, we had this podcast a couple of months ago, and we first discussed how、uh, sport was affected by the COVID 19 situation. And at the time, there was a lot of doubt. People were just starting to、uh, perform PCR testing. There was a lot of worry of what would happen when people would actually start again. For example, baseball tournaments and that sort of thing. But now we've kind of gotten used to living together with Corona, as it were.、Um, I was wondering if you give us some analysis on what、um, the landscape is currently in the sports world, both in Japan and internationally, now that we've gotten used to the situation. That's a, that's a very interesting question,、um, multi layered.、Um, I think、uh, <laughs> organizers, leagues, athletes, and coaches,、uh, I think they're, they're taking it week by week, month by month. Recognizing that there'll be adjustments and postponements.、Um, certain athletes and certain teams might be quarantined or you know, or have to take a break.、Um, so I think flexibility is an important point. But I think the, over, the overlying goal is to complete competition, to,、uh, you know, to have a tournament go from start to finish, to have a league、um, get a season in. You're seeing that now currently overseas with.、Um, The NBA, the basketball, the world's top basketball league. Normally, the finals are in June. The, the finals are actually ongoing right now. And、uh, we can take a look at the French Open. And normally, it's in May.、Uh, also, that's being contested now. So the calendar is kind of upside down. But、um, domestically in Japan,、uh, the J League is ongoing, the,、um, the NPB Baseball League is ongoing. So, leagues that started late or took some time off, like the J, the J League did,、um, they're, they're, they're going full bore.、Uh, you know, the calendar is,、um, is, is filled up. So, Ed, do you notice anything like major changes or adjustments made by certain leagues or competitions? The one that comes to mind, like outside of Japan, is the NBA, how they created a bubble. Did、right. you see something similar like that in Japan? There has not been a bubble in Japan.、Um, But、uh, first, I'll touch upon that very briefly, but then I'll, I'll connect to baseball.、Um, the NBA decided to, to bring 22 of its 30 teams to, to Florida to complete the regular season and determine the 16 playoff seeds. And、uh, you know, they used the, the Walt Disney World complex as a bubble. And、uh, it's been going on for several, several weeks now, you know, a few months. <laughs> and.、Um, 
currently it's just the two teams left in the finals, the Lakers and the Heat. Um, and it's been viewed as a pretty big success because of, uh, you know, the continuity of it and um, getting the games, you know, actually competing. Having a reduction of travel is also important with the, with the issues of quarantine and keeping people safe a lot on a lot smaller scale. Um, in the in in Nippon professional baseball, there's talk officially about the Giants using Kyocera Dome in Osaka as their home stadium if they reach the Japan Series. That's pretty big to relocate okay. to, like the Yomiuri Giants, right? Yeah, correct. Okay, well. So Tokyo, I guess the I guess the point is to issue of um, of Corona cases in Tokyo, right? It's a lot bigger than. I think than in Kansai right now. So that in a normal year, that would never be the case unless, for example, they were rebuilding Tokyo Dome or if, you know, if the building didn't exist. I also noticed in your article that you published recently on the Japan Sports Notebook, you noted a couple of leagues and competitions like ice, like figure skating, like out of all the announcements that were made or the decisions that still need to be made, I wanted to ask what were some of the things that you're happy about, some of the schedules or some of the leagues that have just uh, made their announcements to start up again? Well, uh, it's a good thing for the B League to begin their season um, in the normal month of October, the league is only in its fifth year. So for the fans who are expecting continuity, it's good that their interest is not put on hold for months at a time. I think that's important for, you know, keeping interest and building a, building a larger fan base. So the the basketball got underway last week. That's good. Also with um, ice hockey, the, there's an Asia league ice hockey, which is a regional league of uh, okay. Japan, South Korea, and Russia. Because of the travel restrictions and the coronavirus cases, home and away travel is not happening currently among the among the nations. Uh-huh. So what the league has done is they've organized tournaments in South Korea and Japan for the teams to compete against each other, just the domestic teams, and possibly have uh, another tournament later in the spring. So it's a way of it's a way of kind of uh, you know adjusting on the fly, so to speak, of being creative and giving teams competition and keeping athletes in in their you know in game shape. So I think that's a good thing. Um, this actually gives us a good segue, I suppose, to uh, looking at uh, you know international competition more generally. Um, so okay. you've um, mentioned, obviously, in your various reporting, there are some, for example, athletes that have chosen not to go and compete internationally for fear of the virus, or as you said right now, um, you know there are several travel restrictions, so it makes it difficult to do away games and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. What are some of uh, uh, you know, like the issues and maybe like, do you think this, this is like going to be a problem, like going forward that it's going to have, like, how is this going to be solved? I think, I think the science, the, the medical experts and mm-hmm. uh, the, the health experts uh, are certainly a part of the solution, an mm-hmm. important part of the equation going forward. Mm-hmm. Certain athletes, um, certain athletes have pre-existing conditions that, mm-hmm that, you know, build fear in, into their, um, their mind. A good example is uh, Yuzuru Hanyu, the two-time world champion, two-time Olympic champion, men's skater, figure skater. He has an asthma, uh, he has asthma, a condition of asthma, and he's fearful of uh, how it might be affected by COVID. Mm-hmm. So he chose not to compete in this Grand Prix season 
based on uh, fears of the of the virus. That's interesting because before athletes, I would imagine they were, you know, they had to be mentally strong, uh, yeah. physically strong, and you know somehow like you know maintain um, like well conditioned bodies. Or to perform mm-hmm. to the best, but now because of this mm-hmm. coronavirus, it's another like another sting to their their mentality and how they can compete at the high level. Yeah, that's a good point. On that particular point, uh, wasn't there a Japanese player who actually uh, was going to compete in some international competitions and came down with COVID and couldn't compete? Um, I think in tennis, perhaps. That's correct. Uh, Kei Nishikori, uh, who trains in Florida, lives in Florida. He's from Shimane, but he's lived in Florida for many years. He he tested positive for the coronavirus and then tested positive a second time uh, just before the U.S. Open. So he, he pulled out. He pulled out. He quarantined. He took part in a uh, French Open tune up match, tune up, tune up tournament. And then he lost in the uh, the second round of the French Open. Uh, what was it about 10 days ago it was quite recent yeah that's interesting too because I guess we were, earlier we were discussing like domestic uh, national sports schedules leagues and competitions but Ed what's your perspective on international competitions where it involves more than one national team like do you think this will improve going forward like obviously there are many people concerned right now but um... when you say improve do you mean improve the the protocol and the logistics or improve the actual level of competition? What? I guess both, maybe. I know this is very vague, but yeah, maybe uh, are the athletes that are going to participate uh, increase? Um, are they, you think they're going to find more ways in which they can uh, carry out international competitions, even with the restriction of COVID-19? I, I think the World Cup qualifying uh, for soccer might be, might be a good uh, uh, thing to monitor and see how these teams actually do how is the level of competition how are the logistics of uh, scheduling and if there are a lot of cancellations or pullouts or athletes who are testing positive um this yesterday uh thursday in the south america grant uh the world cup qualifying began for the south american teams and they had not been in competition for a year so for example argentina beat ecuador and uh the great Le- the great Leo Messi scored for Argentina. Uruguay took on Chile. So these teams are getting tested again. You know, trying to build chemistry or at least some kind of on field uh, you know continuity with how they play together. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of yeah, a lot of the big events are individual sports, and some are like with track and field. You have the relays, so you you do need that you do need that chemistry among the the participants. For example, the like the four by one hundred relay in the the sprinting, mm-hmm. and same is true with swimming in the swimming relays. You need it's not just you and your you yourself versus another athlete from a, a country halfway around the world. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Um, I guess it's you know it's very especially in team sports. It's all to do with the interaction, right? So building that again after not going outside. <laughs> for a really yeah, long it, time will be interesting to see how it goes I, I guess philosophic I guess psychologically and uh, and also just emotionally there's also a release in getting back on the field or getting mm-hmm. back in the arena uh, <laughs> some people are better at, at you know really excelling right away and other people take longer just like mm-hmm. in any job right <laughs> 
Yeah, Ed, I, maybe just off the top of your head, are, you, are there any international competitions that you've been following that involves non, not just like domestic uh, citizens of that country, but, you know, involves different nations, peoples playing in the same in one country. Are you referring to individual athletes for, for example, auto, auto racing? We saw Takuma Sato win the uh, Indy 500 for the second time. He's representing uh, an American-based car ownership group, but he's a Japanese, uh, you know, uh, car driver competing in the U.S. Um, and his, he, you know, he competes against drivers from Mexico, from, from Europe, from America, from, so like, those kind of um, racing circuits are international. Yeah, I guess it, might, it depends on each sport because what I had in mind yeah. is for rugby in Japan, he, which attracts uh, a lot of international talent. But uh-huh. because of the you know corona situation, are they going to yeah. defer their season? Well, this partic- the, the 2020 season was, was suspended and called off back in the, was it February? Was it mid-February, mid, mid-March? Mm-hmm. Mid-March, it was, it was canceled. But... Um, as noted uh, from time to time in in the Japan Forward Notebook, the Japanese teams are signing some good some good overseas players for next season. The, the the talent pool is increasing or replacing other really good players who were here previously. Guys guys from South Africa, New Zealand, Australia, some of the you know the top rugby rugby nations. I guess that's a positive direction in terms of like Japanese. Uh, Japanese leagues and Japanese sports uh, moving yeah. on in this in this uh, situation. Mm-hmm. How about the other way around? Like Japanese athletes uh, going to play for foreign or international country clubs and the process there. Do you see some cancellations or you know is, is this their opportunity to to shine? Mostly, I think mostly um, without studying it intensively. Mostly the the athletes are going to the teams where they have job opportunities without, you know, uh, pulling out. This particular season, there were nine Japanese players in Major League Baseball. The U.S. Open, uh, I'm sorry, the Women's PGA Championship, which starts uh, Thursday in the state, U.S., in Pennsylvania, there are four Japanese golfers, women's golfers. Mm -hmm. So once things got started up and running again, a lot of the athletes will revert back to their old schedule. However, some athletes have had to adjust on the, you know, based on the, the health situation in different countries. Yudai Baba, a basketball player from uh, from Toyama, he signed with a team in Melbourne, yeah, uh, Melbourne United for, for basketball. And he had to wait in Japan for a few weeks before, the, before he got the green light from the team to go there. And then he had to quarantine for two weeks upon arrival. And it's still, the, the, the situation in Australia is still pretty extreme. With a lot of areas under lockdown in east in eastern Australia, so especially the city like Baba Senshu went to, they're facing yeah. like extreme like cases every like week. I think it's like a week to week case by case basis where people are trying to just do their work, survive, be successful, but also recognizing there'll be adjustments that they don't want to make that they'll have to make. Definitely, and I agree with that. Like I guess everyone is aware that there are a lot of challenges when it comes to international sports and competition movement of people movement of teams and and i guess 
the whole the package that comes with that, like photographers, media, you know, journalists. Then this will be an interesting topic. Now we can we can maybe spend some time on what's planned for next year in summer is the Tokyo Olympics. I know Susan and Ariel, Naitasan, you you all have your thoughts on that. So maybe we could ask a question uh, to Ed. I think Ariel, you had a question prepared earlier. Yeah. Um, so I guess the ultimate question that everybody who is living in Japan or working in Japan is getting asked from abroad is, you know, what is happening with the Olympics? Um, you know, what are the latest updates and are they actually going to happen is, you know, uh, the main question. What I was wondering if you had any insight or any analysis on that front. I think the ultimate answer, honestly, is people really don't know um, if the Olympics can take place. The, the organizers want the Olympics to take place. The IOC certainly does. The overwhelming majority of the athletes certainly want to compete. I don't think we really have a handle yet on, on how the long term, uh, so, sorry to say this, the death toll of COVID how mm-hmm. far reaching it will be around the world. If, mm-hmm. if the numbers can, if the, if it can be slowed down to a certain extent, I think that really enhances the chances. If there are big outbreaks in the fall, uh, God forbid, uh, and in the early winter, I don't know if the mindset changes. However, um, I think the organizers have to be to their credit. They have to be optimistic. They have to be planning ahead. If they, if they gave up, why would anybody else believe that the Olympics will happen? So what are some of the updates on this front? I know that there's been some news about this recently on, okay. you know, so some recent it, decisions that they took. Right. In, in looking at the big picture, organizers, knowing that the economics around the world and domestically have slowed down, there have been cuts and proposed cuts of the most recent of um, trimming some of the... Uh, promotional uh, banners and uh, promotional events, uh, signage, number of vehicles for certain things, uh, 300 million yen. I'm not quite sure how it'll be spread out across all the venues, uh, but that that's one of the most recent proposals, 300 million yen in cuts. And I think it's it's a kind of a dose of reality that a lot of the companies that were advertising before they might they might scale back their uh, their promised uh, investments. In, in keeping with the cooperation and planning, uh, between the International Olympic Committee and the Japanese government. Prime Minister Suga and IOC President Thomas Bach have a planned meeting uh, in mid, mid-November in Japan, probably in Tokyo for the over, November 16th or 17th to further discuss cooperation and planning. So it'll be interesting to see what dialogue comes out of that meeting just a couple of weeks away. Yeah, I was thinking that this is quite unfortunate that the Tokyo Olympics will be scaled down so much because of the coronavirus. Um, yeah. We might even see like, like national teams um, not be represented by their, their top athletes because of maybe fears of, of the virus, maybe performance hindrances. Uh, I could just think of many other things like that that will prevent nations to be like on paper, paper-wise, to be the, the best team that they could have had. But, in, mm-hmm. but, but the other side of that for me, I think that um, the competitive spirit of athletes and competitive mm. nature of the Olympics that they'll just have they'll do their best to have like the best talent that they can provide I think each I think each of the of the uh, sporting uh, national committees like the Japan uh, Swimming Association for example they'll try to put their best teams forward they'll utilize their national uh, qualifying events their national championships to have you know to determine winners and to try to get the best athletes possible um, in certain cases with certain sports, it's going to be, it will be more difficult, especially in sports, maybe where athletes are also competing professionally and it might clash with their full-time schedules. 
Okay, so one more question from me. You know, as far as we know, uh, well, as far as we know that, you know, the Japanese officials are, you know, preparing very hard to realize the Olympic Games. And, uh, you know, mm. the reason because uh, the one biggest reason is that, uh, you know, uh, if we just give up, that means that, you know, the uh, Japan becomes a political loser in that sense. So, of course, the, the government is pushing uh, uh, mm. the Tokyo Olympics uh, forward. Mm. Uh, and you're right that, you know, but uh, in reality, what's going to happen, we, we st still don't know. And, uh, mm. well, in a sense that, you know, the political reasons, if we not going to have it, it's going to be the huge damage to the uh, international kind of, you know, um, reputations, as well as, you know, the father, uh, let's say, the, uh, the the future prospect of the uh, international sports, not only the sports, but the uh, economy, which is uh, we should uh, move forward. I mean, you know, to drive uh, the international community move forward. And Olympics is a kind of kind of good, uh, you know, the moment that the international community can move forward. What what do you think about you know this type of kind of political uh, thing? You know, you're you're the sports. Writer, thank you, Ed. Uh, but uh, from your perspective, uh, uh, what might kind of the damage if uh, the Tokyo Olympic will be dropped? Well, that would be a great dissertation for a PhD uh, <laughs> doctoral thesis. Doctoral thesis, um, but in a in a more in a more succinct uh, answer, uh, <laughs> I think you're right. There are political concerns and economic concerns, and the Japanese government and the JOC, the, the Japanese Olympic Committee, do not want to be blamed, for example, for being like uh, stopping the Olympic movement or causing future countries to maybe not want to uh, bid because of uh, fears of pandemics or other problems. But uh, also, yeah, you're right. The reputation is important if a nation successfully hosts the Olympic Games. London did a particularly good job, I think, in 2012. And it certainly looked good for the government and for the, the city at that time. Uh, Tokyo has grown um, a lot. Tokyo has evolved, certainly, from 1964 to now in introducing the, the current, the modern Tokyo to the world. World, this is a this is a big opportunity. What is Tokyo? What is um, Japan in the 21st century? This is a you know this is a chance to enhance uh, trading partnerships to to grow the economy a bit um, and also to solidify its reputation as a country that can host successfully big sporting events like the World Cup in 2002 which Japan co-hosted with uh, South Korea. And I guess being able to host such a big event, even during a time of coronavirus, would be ultimate. Yeah, it's very complex. Ed, thanks for answering a lot of the questions that we had for you today. I know we've spent a lot of time talking about sports, schedules, teams, different complications around this situation we're in. But if you can yeah. entertain us a little bit more, I know Susan had some questions for you regarding okay. baseball. Yeah, uh, Ed, um, you've covered baseball because baseball was really one of the, the sports that was used to sort of see whether or not team sports could get back um, on the field after COVID. Uh, mm -hmm. And... You've especially highlighted uh, Japanese pitchers, both in Japan and uh, overseas. And tell us your favorite two or the two that you think are really doing the finest uh, sort of standout jobs, uh, whether they're in, in Japan or overseas or one of each or whatever. Uh, but which, okay. which two do you think are the really 
the ones that we should be looking at now? I'll answer that a little bit differently, but the, the person that you hopefully had a chance to watch or to monitor during the MLB season was you Darvish. He had his, he had an exceptional year in terms of pitching quality and just uh, great uh, overall gamemanship. He really had a command of his pitches. He really challenged the batters and did really well in the regular season, but his team lost in the first round of the playoffs. So he's done for now. Um, and over in Japan, Tomoyuki Sugano of the Yomiri Giants is having an exceptional season. He's 13 and 0, 13 wins, zero losses, and has the lowest ERA, which means he's giving up the lowest runs per game on average. And this he's just pitching great. And beyond beyond him, the Giants have a really good team, but he's made them definitely the favorite to be the Japan Series champion this year. He's sort of, he's sort of lifted the team up to his level. Well, they've been playing with COVID restrictions, I think, that have changed uh, from the beginning to now, maybe. Um, and they seem on both the American and the Japanese side, they seem to have actually, you know, managed through um, adjusted seasons uh, and now uh, doing some uh, in the States, uh, some tournaments. But um, how do you see that affecting the players long term? I mean, these seem to have been really outstanding athletes who managed to keep themselves clean of COVID and uh, yeah. get out there and give the game quite a lot of energy, despite all those shutdowns and lockdowns and uh, right. recommended stay homes and all of that. Yeah. Well, I think there's sort of like a mental adrenaline that's at play here where this is the young, this is the athlete's career and their, their livelihood and they're fired up to get back on the field or to get back in the arena. So I think this season, which was delayed and in, in, in MLB, it was shortened to 60 games. There was a real me a mental uh, release to get back on and play. But I wonder if there'll be a kind of a letdown for next year where there might be mental fatigue and physical fatigue that the ability to um, to recuperate after all of this might be harder for some people. I, I'm not sure that I understand who it would be harder for. You mean some of the athletes would be harder? Yeah, like this season was um, this the, their, their normal calendar. They had a longer break and they started playing again and the offseason is different. So I think certain players might have a tougher time adjusting again after this season. Well, I know that there was an Angels player, um, maybe you can tell us about, who seemed to have kind of a tough time uh, getting through the, the lockdown and restraints on activity and then uh, you know, sort of getting into gear in the season. Is that the kind of thing you're talking about? And maybe you can sort of flesh out a little bit more. Okay. So I was, I was speaking earlier just a few minutes ago about the mental boost maybe to get back and play. Of course, with a 60-game compact season in baseball, normally the athletes have 162 games to work through the ups and downs, the slumps, the adjustments, all those things. And if you're not performing well, you have less time to adjust and to improve. So we, we saw, for example, Shohei Otani really struggled batting-wise, and his batting average was was about 100 points below his, his career level of uh, – 0.286, in the last two seasons. He was batting close to 200 this year and under 200 for most of the season. And part of that was just a mathematical 
uh, reality, he didn't have as many at bats to either struggle or to, you know, get hot as a batter. So it was just, just everything was different. Just the, the number of games was so much shorter. I, I think that the athletes really have to be uh, given credit for uh, giving what they could to the seasons this year, both on the Japanese uh, in the Japanese homeland and overseas. I know there's players in Europe and there's players in the United States and a few players have gone to Australia for different sports, but uh, it seems really uh, to have taken a lot of discipline to get themselves out there. And um, I found your columns, um, especially the Sunday notebook, but also also the Wednesday columns that you do uh, really enlightening about who's doing what and how uh, how they're handling the challenges of shortened seasons and no uh, no audience or some audience or mm. growing audience and, uh, uh, you know, dummies sitting in the, the benches or paper <laughs> dolls sitting in the benches. Uh, it's been, it's been so challenging and so different, but thank you for writing about it. And, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to more of your analysis when the seasons get over. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to, to doing that as well. And so, yeah, thank you for your time again and for answering all our questions. We're just excited to see sports again on TV and to read about your writing. To our readers and to our listeners, can you can you tell them when can I expect your articles on Japan Forward and what can they read? Okay, generally, generally I write a Wednesday column called Odds and Evens uh, each week and the Sunday sports, the Japan Sports Notebook appears each Sunday with a wide range of topics, uh, domestic and overseas. Uh, there's also spot coverage of certain events and wrap-up news of, of uh, the sumo tournaments and like week one of the, of the B League. I'm trying. We're going to try to do a weekly report highlighting the games. And um, there's a, there's there's a wide wide range of things in the works. The Nomo Mania series will continue again in the next few weeks. Thank you, Ed. So please make sure you follow Ed on Twitter. Find his name, Ed Oriven. He's constantly tweeting and updating us on his, on his writing. And thank you again for everyone on joining this session. Thank you for listening. This was the Real Issues, Real Voices, Real Japan podcast by Japan Forward. See you next time.